You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Caleb's going to be sharing with us. He asked me to read um, the scripture. Um, let me get my paper. It's from Acts, starting with chapter 1, and then I'm going to move into chapter 2. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid, from, hid him from their sight. That would have been amazing to see. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to the rest on, to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Crene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. That is the word of God. Hey, Life Tree family, I have a question for you as we jump in this morning, and it's, have you ever seen a toddler overwhelmed with the task of cleaning their room? And you may be going, what does that have to do with what Telsey just read? 
I promise you it will connect. Um, but with, the, um, with that question in mind, I don't know about you, if you have kids or not, but you've probably seen that. You've probably seen a kid given the task of clean your room, and then there they are, overwhelmed, not knowing even where to start. And I remember times when my kids were young, and I would go and I would check in with them, and it would look like, I don't think you've put anything away in the last 15 minutes. And they're sitting there playing with their little giraffe or their Lego or whatever it is that caught their attention in that moment. And, um, and I really think that's often the time the way it goes with us. But what would happen, I had learned as a parent, was that when I would go into that room, instead of just looking at them and being like, why isn't your room clean? I would say to them, okay. Start by picking up all the stuffed animals. Let's just start with that. And you give them this job. Pick up the stuffies. There we go. Okay. That's a now. Pick up the Legos. Let's get all the Legos in a bin. And when we would really boil it down to these specific tasks, it was amazing what they were capable of. They could focus in and they could do that. And when I would actually come in and get involved with them, it became even more effective. Surprise, surprise. Or then as they get older and we would go out to do yard work and maybe it's a big mess in the yard and I'd say, okay, let's clean up the yard. It's a little much for them. But if I say, okay, you pick up all the pine cones, you pick, start pulling weeds, you know, all of that, it would start to happen. And what we would accomplish together in that short time became more and more significant. But the key was that they were given these specific tasks and then I'd come alongside them. And this really does point to Pentecost and the purpose of Pentecost, I promise you. Um, but what, what I'm getting at is that this is very much how the Spirit of God works in our life, and that's what I want to talk about today. Um, we often hear talk about the mission of the church, but in reality, the mission is God's mission. And there's an author out there by the name of Alan Hirsch, He's, he's an author, he's a church planter, he's a student of missions. And Alan Hirsch put it this way. He says, the church does not have a mission. The mission of God has a church. I'll say it again. The church does not have a mission. The mission of God has a church. In other words, the church exists because God has a mission. Who we are as the church is defined by the mission of God. And we exist for it. It's that mission that defines who we are, what we are, why we do what we do, how we do what we do. All those things are supposed to be defined by God's mission to the world. And when we say, when we talk about God's mission, it's important to realize it's a big mission. Like, I think that's a slight understatement to just refer to it as big. I don't even know the right words to describe it. But when we ask the question, what is the mission of God? I think of a few scriptures. In Revelation 21, there's a scripture of God on the throne saying, Behold, I am making all things new. That's part of his mission. That is the definition of his mission. Jesus, in Matthew 6, says to pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven is the mission of God. Simply put, whatever's broken God's in the business of fixing. One word that could describe that is restoration. 
And the disciples of Jesus, they had a glimpse of this. You can see it in part of what Telsey read to us. I believe it's Acts 1 verse 6 where the disciples say, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he doesn't answer the question directly. He just says, guys, it's not ours to know the times and seasons. That's up to the Father. But these were scripture-reading, Bible-immersed Jewish people who understood this concept of restoration was key to the scriptures. But their scope of restoration was limited to Israel. So they asked this question, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And that's their simple scope. Jesus' scope of restoration is much bigger. He's like, no, I'm going to restore heaven to earth. He doesn't say that explicitly in that moment, but it's throughout the scriptures, this idea that that heaven is coming to earth and that what's broken in the world is going to be fixed. And I know for us guys, sometimes when we look around at our world, if you take just a a half-decent look at the world, you may be overwhelmed when you see how much is broken and how much needs to be fixed. But that's his mission because he's a big God. The scope of his mission is is connected to the size of God himself. And so you could just ask this question, do you see anything broken in the world? And if you do, God may be wanting to fix it through you. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit being in our lives, I believe, is that there's an impulse and an inspiration within us to move towards that which is broken. To want to fix that which is broken. Jesus calls us the light of the world. In other words, we're called to light up darkness. He calls us the salt of the earth. We're called to move into places of decay and bring preservation. But it's easy when we look at this world to be overwhelmed by the scope of what needs to be fixed. But I have found in my life, I don't know about you, but I have found as I walk with the Spirit of God, there's something that starts to happen. Your heart gets connected to His dream. And you start to see how big it is and how wide it reaches. And I have found that as my heart connects to that big dream of God for the world, it can be overwhelming. And one of the thoughts that comes into my mind when I see it, when I think about it, is it would take multiple lifetimes to achieve this. Like, I can't do this all in my own lifetime. And I feel like God is pointing out to me something really key in that. The church, in one sense, is a collection of lifetimes. It's a collection of lives. You know, we hear this story that Chelsea read to us, and it's about um, 120 people in this upper room being filled with the Spirit of God. And it makes me ask the question, what could I do with 120 lifetimes? You know, maybe if you think about 120 lifetimes that you would have to steward yourself, that you would be like, what am I going to do with that? It might be an overwhelming thought. But God, when God gets asked that question, what am I going to do with 120 lifetimes? He's not overwhelmed by it. He's got more than enough vision, more than enough plans for how he wants to touch the world. And his spirit coming into his people is about his people being filled with that missional heart that's in him. That impulse within us to want to fix things that are broken in the world is the spirit of God alive in us. And it may be a big mission, but his heart's big 
And he's got lots of people who love him. And I think sometimes it's important for us to actually recognize that although the mission's big, our assignment that we may be given is specific. I find it really interesting when we read this story of Pentecost that Telsey just shared with us, when the Holy Spirit comes on this group of people, they don't all start speaking the same language. They start speaking in different languages. I asked Telsey to read that portion where she had to wrestle through all those weird names of regions and places because it's important to see there's 16 different nations and regions and cultures being represented and described in this. And it's like there's, there's something that you may or may not know going on in this that at the different feasts and festivals within the Jewish culture, people would travel from all over the surrounding areas of the world and come to Jerusalem. And so Jerusalem was filled with people from all over the place on the day of Pentecost. And when the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak of the wondrous works of God, it came out in different languages. And each language that was being spoken was reaching a specific audience. You know, the people speaking Egyptian weren't reaching those from Mesopotamia. Or the ones speaking to the Cretans weren't reaching those from Rome. The language being spoken by different ones had a specific audience. And each of us is assigned a specific piece of God's big mission. Sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the big picture, we lose sight of what he's saying to us, what he's showing us. And I want to ask the question, how do we discover what God's calling us to? I often think it's by the problems that keep sticking out to us. You know, Kelly and Charlotte shared with us last week, and they simply put it this way, like, what needs do you see? When you see a need, maybe that's God actually speaking to you. Now, you might be the kind of person where you see all the needs and you need to ask God, like, can we get a little more specific here? But, but, the, but the reality is, is that there is a call on each of us. There's a call on your life. And it may, it may shift and change in seasons. What's God saying to you right now? And what I want to say to you is that when you find yourself repeatedly aware of the same problem in our city and in the world around you, that very well may be God speaking to you. Or maybe you see a problem within the church itself. Maybe that's God speaking to you, putting a burden on your heart and a call. But I want to warn you of something. I want to warn you, don't let God's calling to you turn into frustration with others. Don't let God's call to you turn into frustration with others. What am I getting at? It's, it's that sometimes through denying or rejecting responsibility, we often convert our calling into frustration with others. We deny and reject our responsibility to respond to what God is speaking into our heart. And as a result, we just become frustrated people. You can see this in the world. Maybe you see it at times in your own heart. I know that's been sometimes my journey where there's things that I see that need changing. And there may be a season of just frustrated about it. And then God starts to 
So I said, what are you going to do about it? What's your part to play? You know, maybe you see this sometimes. I see it with when we hear frustrations with the church. And you can hear that there. I'm frustrated with the church. Well, guess what? That's often coming from the voices of people who are part of the church. And so it's like we're all called to be a part of this. The church is only beautiful when the whole of the body is activated, inspired by the Spirit of God to do what they're called to do. When I dream about the world being transformed and changed, I'm, on, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going I'm to leave that for later. But sometimes, you know, we see this manifesting in angry at the government. You know, we're in an age where there's so much protest and shouting and posting and whatever you want to call it going on. And we're angry at them out there who are, who are all the root of the problem and taking no responsibility ourselves. Maybe God's just saying to you, clean your room. You know, and start right there. Clean up your bedroom. Clean up you. What's, what am I saying to you? And so there's this thing where, where God's plan, guys, God's plan is, is huge. It's amazing. And the enemy's tactics to cease, to, to hold us back, to stop us, are to get us wrapped up in frustration and bitterness. Or maybe it's to get us with fear and discouragement. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Or to convince you that you're insignificant and you can't do anything and nothing you put your hand to even matters. So why try? And the reality is, is that God's plan is a multitude of people surrendered to Lord Jesus and the voice of his spirit. It's not for one person or one little team to have a good idea and then tell everybody else what to do. The king of the church is Jesus. The Lord of the church is Jesus. And what's he saying to you? What peace, just a piece of his mission is he calling you to? This is why in the, in the video you maybe saw at the beginning of the service, and maybe you didn't because you just tuned in, um, for these Serve Saturdays we want to do this summer, where we're going to deploy as a church on a specific Saturday, June 26th, August 21st, into the city to serve, to display Jesus. We're asking the question to you, Life Tree community, what ideas stir up in your heart and your mind? What do you get excited about seeing us do? What's that impulse and inspiration in your heart? You know, I have found that thing of of insignificance, believing that something that we're going to do is insignificant to be such a trap. And I think it's so important for us to just take a step forward into that thing that God is saying. I remember just um, recently, what goes on for me, I, I often find myself, my mind going to some of the, uh, the demographic that's living downtown, and we have this opioid crisis in our province, where more people have died in this last year of overdoses than of COVID, and it's a big issue. And I'm like, Lord, what does it look like? Like, my heart is drawn to this place to this darkness to this issue to this problem and and i just kept seeing a picture of me sitting on the corner of quadra and pandora 
And so one evening, me and someone went down there. Just a few weeks ago, we just sat. I'm like, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm just going to sit here. Because I don't, I don't know. I don't have the solutions. I feel I just got to get close to it and see what you want to do. And that night, we ended up meeting a man who was um, definitely struggling with addiction, struggling with his mental health, going on of all sorts of wild stories about doctors trying to kill him and all this sort of stuff. And, and we just sat with him and we listened and we talked and he talked and he talked and he talked. And it was clear that he was tormented in many ways. And I just said, can we pray for you? We prayed with the man, and as we prayed, you could just feel the peace of God start to rest on him. And he began to sob. And there was a puddle of tears and snot on the sidewalk. And I, and I can't tell you that, you know, it came into his right mind, and it was all said and done then and there. But he was blessed, and he felt loved, and, and he did. He continued on in some of his crazy talk after that. And I could walk away from that and be like, well, that was pointless. The reality is, is in that moment, on the corner of Quadra and Pandora, somebody experienced the peace of God's presence, the love of God for him. Someone to just listen and not just write him off as crazy or whatever. And it's those simple things sometimes. And I don't know what that ongoing journey is going to look like for me. This, this week, I'm going back down there with someone. On Tuesday evening, we're just going to sit and we're going to ask God, what do you want to do? Look for opportunity. And I want to encourage you in sharing that, not to be like, oh, yeah, I'm so amazing. I went and did this thing. But, but that it's just that simple. We just went and sat on the corner of the street. And we're present. And we're going to do it again. See, because sometimes these big issues that we see in the world around us, they boil down to people loving people. That's the solution. The solution is people loving people. You know, the solution isn't always wrapped up in new programs, policies, or politics, or whatever other thing. It doesn't have to start with a P. But, you know, there, there is this simplicity in people loving people. We can do that. And that's what the Spirit of God is putting an impulse within us to do. And when I look across our world at the issues that face us, at the issues that confront my heart and mind, and as I think about the beauty of this day that we celebrate Christ pouring His Spirit into His church, I'm reminded of some words that Paul wrote in Colossians 1.27. I'm just going to highlight the phrase. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory is Christ in you. And glory is a big word, a big concept in Scripture. And I would say it's very safe to say that within the framework of this idea glory, there is restoration of all things. There is God making all things new. Heaven touching earth through his people. And I want to say it to you, the hope of the world is Christ in you. And when I think about all the issues in this world being um, solved and the needs being met, I'm convinced that it can only ultimately happen through Jesus, King Jesus returning. But I find it so interesting that Paul didn't write 
Christ, the hope of glory. Or, no surprise here, you, the hope of glory. He said, Christ in you, together, is where the hope lies. And sometimes I think we, we look at our legislative building, or we look at the responsibility of corporations and or media and all these different things that we want to we wanna look to for the solution. I'm not saying God doesn't have solutions through those places. I think those things all matter. But I tell you what, when I envision the world being changed by the kingdom of God, I see a bunch of people. I see simple, everyday people who live from a place of saying, God, what are you saying to me? And I'm telling you, the issue is not that he's not speaking to you. He's putting dreams and ideas in your heart and in your mind. Or maybe you're seeing the problems and you keep being drawn to them. The hope of the world is Christ in you. I love one of my favorite verses in Scripture is the very beginning of what Telsey read today. It's Acts 1 verse 1, and Luke, who's writing, says, in my former account, I wrote to you, Theophilus, about what Jesus both began to do and teach. And the key word for me there is began. Because what Jesus began to do and teach, he's continuing by his spirit through the church. That is what the book of Acts is all about. Church history is the story of Jesus continuing to do his work of restoration in the world through his people. The call to us, the purpose of God for us that's highlighted in Acts 1 verse 8 is that we would be his witnesses. He says to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the utter ends of the earth. There's this spreading of it. It's what the last 2,000 years has been. Not perfect, lots of messes along the way. I'm not trying to romanticize church history. Lots of, lots of not good stuff. Sinful people all up in the mix. But the hope of the world is Christ in us. And I think that's important to recognize because we can hear a message like this and be like, oh my gosh, so many problems. What should I do? What am I called to do? And we get all like into this striving place. But it only really flows from seeing and knowing him more. And that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit being poured out on us. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus to us. The Holy Spirit fills us with revelation of who Jesus is and what he's like. And the result of that is we start to behave, look and act more like Jesus. What did Jesus do? He went to the poor. He went to the broken. He went to the messy places and the messy people. And if you find within yourself an impulse and an inclination to move towards that which is broken and be a part of the solution, it's probably the Spirit of God speaking to you, working in you. And, and it doesn't need to be limited to 
sitting on Pandora and places like that. It might be, it might be something where you are actually going to, maybe you're going to help people launch businesses that are going to change the world. Maybe you're going to write a story that, that greatly impacts the arts. On and on. It's like God's vision is restoration of all things. That's big, guys. There's not these like tight limitations put on it. It's this big, expansive vision to touch the world. And that's why it's so important that all of his people live in this surrendered place to Lord Jesus and the voice of the Spirit. When I sit here and I, I, I think of you different ones who I know are at some point, whether presently now or later on, on the other side of this camera, it's like I see you and your relationship with Jesus as the hope of the world. My longing for us as a community is that we would continue to let our hearts be touched by God's heart for this city. And we wouldn't be overcome by those Lies of insignificance that say, well, I can't do anything. I'm not a leader. I got to say to you, if, like, let's just, let's just talk about that for a minute. If the spirit of the sovereign Lord who created heaven and earth and all the entirety of the universe and rules over it all lives in you, I think there's some leadership and influence capacity at work in your life. And sometimes I think that we, we imagine of building some big, huge ministry with a ton of team, like so many people, and I think that God in this age is trying to call us to more, um, I'm going to use the catchphrase, microchurch expressions. You know, I mentioned to you this Tuesday, I'm going to go sit on the corner of Quadrant Pandora with somebody. That's church where two of us are gathered in his name according to his purpose and his call. That's church. And so let's not complicate it. And maybe there are dreams in you that God is going to multiply into some huge ministry or business or whatever it might be. But do not despise what seems small to you. There's such a simplicity in the call that's on us. Love people. Fix broken stuff. <laughs> I don't, that's it's just like the simple terms of it. Light and darkness. Very basic. So I just want to leave you with that question. What's he saying to you? And I want to invite you. Share it with us. Please, like, send me a message on Facebook. Email Caleb at lifetree.ca. Send it to office at lifetree.ca. Send it whatever. But we want to hear it. We want to hear the ideas and the dreams and the inspiration and the impulse. And it's in the sharing it and the speaking it out that other ears perk up and go, I've been thinking that. And God starts to pull people together for mission and for purpose. And now I want to pray, and we're going to close. It's Pentecost. we got to be filled with the Spirit. It's not a one-time thing that happens. It's an ongoing part of our relationship with Him. So wherever you're at right now, whether you're watching this presently or you're watching it later, 
I want to encourage you, if you're like not driving a vehicle or holding a baby or something like that, just put your hands up. If it's safe, how about we put that out? If it's safe for you to put your hands up. And we're just going to say, Holy Spirit, fill us up. Fill us with the heart of the Father, the revelation of Jesus, the dreams you have for our city, for our neighborhood, for our neighbors, for people, God. Let us be a people who embrace the simplicity of loving people, fixing broken things, shining light in darkness. Not in our own strength, not in our own striving, Lord, but because you've done it, you've shown us the way. And we receive your spirit with grateful hearts today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Life Tree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.